I don't want to disturb you. I'm Keith Hernandez, and I just want to tell you what a big fan I am. I love your comedy. Really? Oh, yeah, I've always wanted to do what you do. Do what I do? You're one of my favorite ball players of all time. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> I love that bit about Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> really? Thank you. But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to our 150th episode of Bidwabas. This is a podcast where we talk about the secondary characters of Seinfeld. And my name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And this week we are doing double episode The Boyfriend for our 150th. Yeah, season three, episodes 17 and 18. That's right. And 150 episodes, man. Jeez, you haven't killed me yet. No, we haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> Not yet, no. <laughs> We've nearly come to blows. <laughs> yeah, a few times. But, uh, you know, that's all if part you listen, of the... If you listen creative. carefully, you can hear some passive aggressive comments in the background like, Bloody Ivan! No, Stephen, terrible man. No, it's fine. No, it's been a really good ride. We've been doing this for over three and a bit years, maybe three, yeah, twenty three months, three yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah, so we've been at it. Obviously, uh, our older episodes aren't as good as they the new ones, and we've improved. And you know, we found uh, you know we've learned a lot from the experience. So we thank you all for uh, listening to us, and we're really glad we've reached this milestone. Yeah, I honestly didn't think we'd get this far, or I never really no. imagined what it would be like to get this far. But uh, it's a pretty cool achievement. And yeah, yeah if you're a original listener or you've joined us somewhere. Uh, you know, from the start, thank you. Uh, and if you're a newer listener or anywhere in between, thank you. It means a lot. You're the reason we do this. Yeah. And if you want to reach out to us and uh, celebrate our 150th with us, uh, Bidwabas Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. And we are on social media at B I D W B A S C. We're also on Patreon if you want to donate a couple of bucks a month and get some bonus goodies like bonus podcast episodes, early access to this episode, and other things. So, patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask is that one. That's right. And uh, if a few bucks a month is too much for you at the moment you can support us by leaving a review on itunes uh or or sorry apple podcasts yeah they've changed the name yeah yeah yeah. or wherever you get your podcasts and just by spreading the word and uh, helping us out and finally uh you can interact with us and uh about nearly seventy thousand other seinfeld (laughs) fans on our facebook group seinfeldisms that's right just check that out on uh, Facebook. Our unofficial Seinfeld group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, our unofficial Bidwabas page of sorts. Yeah. It's yeah, sort yeah. of, I started it just as a separate thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I stole the name from our own section, Seinfeldisms, which we'll do in just a sec. Mm, yeah. But yeah, now it's grown to be the biggest Seinfeld group on Facebook, which is crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, come along and join the fun. Indeed. Anyway, speaking of Seinfeldisms, let's jump into the episode. So what's happened in real life at Seinfeld related to you, my friend? I wish I had one. I don't. I've had quite an eventful week in my personal life um I'm engaged to be engaged, which ah, is quite yes, nice. That's right. I tried to find some Seinfeld reference there. Nothing came to mind. Engaged to be engaged. You have to do like the whole life cycle of George in season seven. So if the first one True. is the, the engagement. Then you have to postpone the wedding yep. for whatever reason. <laughs> and then I think we mentioned this when I got engaged too. And then the final one will be the invitations. But you mm. got to make sure that the glue isn't like the cheap toxic one. Maybe do like a low to mid-range glue. So, so when just... your partner like licks the envelopes, you know, she'll get probably mildly nauseous, but she won't kill. Yeah, I don't want to kill her, but I just want to make her, you know, (laughs) medium level sick. Yeah, but that's got to be like right at the end. Right at the end. That would be the best Seinfeldism and also very abusive and horrible. (laughs) It uh, would be, yes. (laughs) But it's all part of the fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and and, uh, some other things have happened which have all been really good. But yeah, no Seinfeldisms. What about you? Nah, same, mate. Same. But I I guess we can kind of link your engagement to Seinfeld. Yeah. If you follow the steps of season seven. 
yeah. what George does. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be some parallels along the way. Yeah, get her to sign a prenup, and then she'll <laughs> laugh at you saying she earns more than you. And She you probably know. would, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you might see like a movie star that you like, and then you'll try and date them, and True. you're with her. You know, you just do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and after, yeah. after my partner gets sick, two days later, I'll call the movie star and be like, uh, yeah, do you remember me? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, tomorrow I've got to go to the doctor to make sure she's okay, but the next day I'm free. Yeah, I'm free. Um, my weekend's wide open. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So you just got to follow the formula. I'm sure she'll understand. Yeah, of course. That's it. For the sake of, you know, life has to imitate art. I really wish we made a pact, you know, <laughs> like three years ago, we should have said we're going to have a pact to get engaged. That would have been like the best Seinfeld. True. Isn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another pact we should make is uh, we should take a, a break from uh, from uh, Bidwa Bask and come back with just mustaches. Yes, we should. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. It'll take me probably three seasons to grow a mustache. No, you've got good facial hair. Yeah, it's all right. No, yeah. I guess. Yeah. No, you've got thick. Um, I'm looking at your, your facial <laughs> hair stubble. now. Yeah, yeah, you can grow a mustache. Yeah. I've already got one, so yeah. I, I have. You can have. I'll shave my beard off, and you can just glue that to your mustache. Okay. Uh, to, to where your mustache with is. the cheap glue from the invitations. Yeah. Perfect. Hopefully <laughs> just I don't, don't swallow it. Yeah. Just don't lick it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, for, for no Seinfeld isms, we had quite a bit to talk about. We did. Yeah. Anyway, Seinfeld News, buddy, you only have one article this week and you tell me it's actually a pretty good one. So what is it? Yeah, a bit of a ripper. So a this summer, this American summer. So this Australian summer. Winter, this summer coming up. <laughs> Rest in peace, trailer guy. He died a few years ago. Did he? Uh, yeah, that's why you notice trailers these days don't have the guy in it. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought they just kind of phased him out because he's very much a relic of his time. Oh, he's a relic, but I think he did pass away too. And right. they like, couldn't replace him. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's got such a distinctive voice. Did he die from lung cancer for smoking too much? Oh, he, sounds, he sounds like he smoked... You know, a whole chimney every single day. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I actually, I forgot his name. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I do remember watching a, I think it was 60 Minutes back in the early 2000s, uh, had a story about him and, you know, they went into his home and they talked about his voice and he's got just like a little recording studio and he more or less sounds exactly like that. He turns it up a tiny bit yeah. for the sake of drama and uh-huh. suspense, <laughs> but uh, it's not a, it's not really a character voice. It's just a, a slight amplification of his normal voice. It's yeah. uh, it's a strange voice. Yeah. He doesn't have to do too much with his voice. No. <laughs> Which is, very, uh, very talented. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, rest in peace, fam. Yeah, anyway, uh, this US summer, um, or Australian winter, depending on what uh, hemisphere you're in, a school called the Yada Yada Law School will actually be offering a legitimate course on the, I guess, the legal situations that arise in Seinfeld throughout the series. At first, I thought that this was some sort of course put together by the guys at Seinfeld Law, who we've had at, on our show quite a while ago. I can't yeah. remember exactly when. We did the stock tip. So That's right. Yeah, yeah. Go through our feed and you'll find that one. Yeah, yeah, all the way back from season one. And yeah, check those guys out too and shout out to those guys if they're listening. Uh, awesome fellas. And that was a great episode. But turns out it's a legitimate law course. It's being put on, put together by Professor Sarah Bronin. She's, <laughs> she is the Thomas F. Gallivan Chair in Real Property Law at the Yukon School of Law, um, and she's jokingly referring to herself now as the junior min professor of the <laughs> law of law at the Yada Yada Law School. Nice. And yeah, you can actually enroll. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes. So if you want to enroll, it's a legitimate college course that teaches real legal US law, um, but through the lens of Seinfeld and the uh, incidences that happen in the show, which is just really, really amazing. Yeah. So if you always wanted to be Jackie Charles, now's your chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In terms of charisma and personality. Yeah. yeah. I, for- I forgot to mention as well, um, given the COVID-19 situation, it will be a remote course and it will be free as well. So, uh, yeah, check it out in the show notes. If you want to, if you have if you have some time to spare, yeah, enroll. And if you do, let us know how it goes. Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. Anyway, let's take a really quick break. And when we come back, we are celebrating our 150th episode. We are talking about The Boyfriend from Season 3, the very first two-part episode of Seinfeld. And I've got some notes today on the man himself, Keith Hernandez, a semi-fiction 
idealised version of himself, much like Jerry on the show. Uh, some notes on Mrs. Sokol, the unemployment officer, and her daughter Carrie, and uh, some notes on the cabbie that George has a run-in with. Yeah, they're the um, characters that I have notes on too. Very good. Let's take a quick break and we will be back. Hi, this is Zach and Aaron from Seinfeld Law, and uh, you are listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. The Boyfriend is a two-part episode, episodes 17 and 18 of season three. First aired in the US on February 12th, 1993, directed by Tom Sharonez and written by two Larrys, Larry David and Larry Levine. Uh, Jerry meets Keith Hernandez at the gym. He tries to meet with Keith only to be shunned because Keith is infatuated with Elaine. And I love the uh, bromance dynamic and Jerry's like the woman trying to pursue the man. I'm trying to get the man to pursue the woman. Yeah, it felt like a kind of like a 90s rom-com. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, where Jerry was a bit upset and a bit confused about about Keith's lack of communication and you know he didn't know what was going on and how he thought about him uh yeah they were definitely playing with that sort of gender stereotype of of 90s and 2000s rom-coms yeah absolutely I was actually quite impressed with Jerry's performance in this one I mean you see a few times you know he does his smirks and he laughs and he tries not to break character but you can see he's having a lot of fun in this episode well I did read I think through the week when I was doing research for the episode that at the time of filming he's probably had better more favorite episodes since but at the time of filming this was his favorite episode uh, mostly because of Keith Hernandez but because I think it was the first time they really really this episode feels important in that it reached a new level of Seinfeld a lot of things come together in this episode Mm. and I think that's probably contributing to why it was Jerry's favorite at the time and it was so popular in the fact that in the 1997 TV guide survey for the top episodes of all time the boyfriend was number four Ah. that was about yeah five or six years after it did yeah, I mean, so, it is a fantastic four, four episode. Four years, I should say. Sorry, 93. Yeah. yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a tremendous episode. Mm. Well, uh, I guess we'll find out about where it sits uh, <laughs> in each other's list towards the end of this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, George tries to keep his unemployment money coming in because he got fired from the real estate agent in The Revenge. When he tells the unemployment officer, Mrs. Sokol, she's played by Ray Allen, that he got a job with a company called Vandalay Industries, a company that manufactures latex. Kramer and Newman recall an incident in which Keith spits on them after a really bad Mets game, and the details tells of the incident strangely mirror that of the JFK assassination. There had to be a second spitter and that's probably one of the most famous scenes in Seinfeld and probably one of Jerry's greatest moments when he recounts the story. I think so, yeah. When he uses the golf club to sort of direct replaying the scene yeah. uh, in real time is is fantastic. Yeah, that, that is one magic loogie. That is one magic loogie. And there's also a couple of other iconic things like uh, George, um, you know, when Kramer answers Jerry's phone to say Vander who, Vanderlei, and George runs out screaming with his pants down and then he realises that his unemployment's going to get cut off and he, he's in defeat with his pants down lying on the ground. That's another iconic scene too. And I think Elaine and Keith, when they're you know trying to figure out who's keen and who's not and how to interact with each other uh, in a monologues, I would say that that's some classic Seinfeld as well. I'm Keith Hernandez. Yeah, where he's like, who does this guy think he is? <laughs> I'm Keith Hernandez. I'm Keith Hernandez, yeah. Yeah. So too good. Anyway, some other secondary characters from the episode. Carol Ann Susie, she plays Carrie. Uh, she is Mrs. Sokol's daughter, who George dates to try and keep his benefits going. Uh, Richard Assad plays the cabbie. Roger McDowell, he plays himself. He is the second spitter in that reenactment. And uh, Melanie Good is the tall woman at the end of the episode that yeah. George, uh, well, it's implied that uh, they're going to date. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Anyway, bit of trivia about the episode, Steve. I actually had quite a few. So I there was probably like, what, 15 trivia facts? But I think that's probably too many. So I might knock it down to maybe three or four for myself. Yeah. 
I've got all the trivia listed here, oh and I think God. there's about 19 or 20. So yeah, we'll, or more, yeah. Yeah, we'll just pick about three each and go with the most important ones. Yeah, well, anyway, a couple of quick ones. Uh, this was initially entitled The New Friend, this episode. And uh, this is, the, of course, the first ever hour-long episode of the show, like I mentioned before. And uh, Jerry's line, and you want to be my latex salesman, was ad-libbed. And this is the only episode to feature the episode title in the opening credits. Oh, huh, there you go. If you notice right at the start. Yeah. Mm. Keith Hernandez has actually said that the second spitter role was supposed to be played by Daryl Strawberry, but due to his uh, recent drug problems, he must have been in rehab or something, he uh, wasn't available and he was replaced. I think Daryl Strawberry ended up on The Simpsons, you know, in that episode with the softball team yeah. that Mr. Burns recruits all those people. One of the best uh, Simpsons episodes ever. Absolutely. You can boo at them. They don't have feelings. Then he starts crying. Daryl. <laughs> Daryl. A single tear rolls down his face. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So good. So he probably ended up on that yeah. instead. Yeah, I think he chose right. <laughs> yeah. Keith and uh, Daryl chose their uh, correct lanes. Absolutely. Anyway, do you have any other trivia? Uh, look, there is tons, but I think we've covered the best ones. So uh, let's just uh, move on. All right, let's jump straight into the man himself, Keith Hernandez. He is played by himself, of course. He's a former Major League Baseball first baseman. He played from 1974 to 1990. He's also a current TV baseball commentator. He played the majority of his career for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals and the New York Mets, as mentioned in the episode. He's a joint 1979 most valuable player in the league, and he's considered one of the greatest defensive players of all time in the entire history of the sport. Yeah, as Mm. he mentions in the episode, he won 11 consecutive Golden Gloves. I'm guessing that they're like fielding awards or best outfielder. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, he's the first baseman. First baseman. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's the the best defensive baseball player. Yeah, I think it's defense, yeah. 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 If you're a baseball fan, let us know. Let us know, yeah. Baseball isn't really a big sport over here, so I don't have a clue. The the only ways I know about baseball is the Simpsons and Seinfeld. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Basically, I think I learned more about baseball in this episode than anything else up until this point. <laughs> That's it. And obviously he's a two times World Series championship player. He won one with St. Louis and one with New York. Oh. Yes, so there you go. As well as appearing in commercials for acting, he's also appeared in an episode of Ghost Rider, a kids TV show, as well as Law and Order. Oh. Mm, so I don't know which one, but <laughs> I think it was in 94 it said. I think he mostly plays himself as well. He does, yeah. Yeah, which makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, he's not the best actor. He was pretty deadpan in this episode, but I find him quite charming too. Yeah, he just seems like a regular dude, um, even though he's famous and he kind of uses his fame sometimes to his advantage. He's uh, a pretty down-to-earth and charming kind of guy. He's the sort of guy you just want to hang out with and hmm. get a cup of coffee and just talk about whatever. And because uh, at first, when I first watched The Boyfriend many years ago, I thought Keith Hernandez was like a current player at the time, so I didn't know the history of him, but he retired in 1990 and this is aired in 93, so... Recently retired. Recently retired. So I'm guessing he's probably, uh, I guess in the fictional world, in the Seinfeld world, he's probably just doing his own thing. He might be doing some coaching on the side, maybe, or some kind of associate, associative things with the New York Mets, might be assisting somehow in something. And he's probably just cruising along. He's earned enough money, he's got enough accolades, and he's getting commercial deals still and stuff. I think that's a pretty common thing, unless unless uh, sports celebrities get into like either coaching or commentating. They kind of just ride on their celebrity for a little while and just do little bits and pieces here and there. They don't really have like a full-time gig again. So yeah, that, that's the impression I get. I think uh, if he was a commentator or working again for the Mets or involved in baseball in a non-playing you know, playing way, it would have been mentioned in the episode. And he just seems to have a lot of time and he's just very laid back. And I don't know, he just doesn't seem to have a lot on his plate, which 
is by choice mm. in this episode. So yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and he's uh, I think he's the most prominent uh, baseball player to ever feature on the show, of course. Yeah, I mean you do we do get a couple of appearances. I can't remember who the players are when George works for the Yankees. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely the most prominent baseball player mm-hmm. uh, on the show. I, I think with Keith uh, because he, it's funny because in the opening scene you think that Jerry's nervous to meet Keith, but it's actually the other way around. Keith's actually a fan of Jerry's stand up because at that time I think Jerry was still up and coming. I mean he mentions he's been on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and a few other things as well. So Keith obviously has a good sense of humor and he enjoys a stand-up comedy, particularly observational humor. Yeah, I think, you know, Jerry wasn't a, he wasn't at a point where he'd broken out of just the comedy world into just the general mainstream and public consciousness, but he was big in the comedy world. I'm guessing that maybe Keith caught him on the Tonight Show or something like that and thought, oh, this guy's cool. You know, and he obviously liked him enough to remember his face and go up to him. It's interesting that he says that he, uh, you know, he was nervous to meet Jerry because he actually wants to do stand-up comedy. Yeah. To me, again, that points to him, his life, not having like a full-time job. He's just got lots of time to think about and experiment with different different projects and different thoughts and ideas. You know, and that was probably just one of many is like, maybe I could give comedy a go. Yeah, he's probably just getting, you know, like endorsements here and there yeah. and royalties from this and that. So he's probably looking for another avenue. He's thinking, I'm too old to play baseball. I've retired. I've played for since the 70s. Yeah, what, what am I supposed to do? So he's probably looking for different ventures to keep him sane. Yeah, and I Comedy's think, probably one of them. I think so, yeah. He is uh, also... A Civil War buff. He um, is, yes. So he's probably got a lot more time as well to, you know, indulge his buffness in Civil War. <laughs> maybe doing in history. Maybe doing reenactments as well. Yeah, maybe he's part of the, one of those, you know, those clubs that do like reenactment, uh, reenactments of wars and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it could be. Is it, do you reckon he'd be on the Confederate side or the other side? Did he play for the Mets at the start or the end of his career? Uh, it said St. Louis and then New York, but then okay. he played one season for Cleveland. Right. In 1990. That's it. Okay, so he mm. finished. Look, I'm going to guess he, he'd play the, uh, the, the Union, not the Confederates. The Union, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, because I was going to say, if he played for St. Louis and Cleveland at first, is that if that's where he was originally from, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, maybe he's a Southerner originally. Maybe he would uh, be I in forgot the Confederacy. Where he was born. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But wherever he was born, that's where he'd reena- do the reenactment. I think so, yeah. With, with, that, with his accent, it's hard to tell. Like, he's just got such a sort of standard American accent. He doesn't have a particular twang or, or anything that would indicate where he's from. Mm. I'm sure we could just look it up on Wikipedia. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, we could. But. Yeah, I'm going to say that it would have been uh, on the union side. On the union side, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, like with Keith as well, it, it, usually when there's like a non-actor playing themselves, it can be quite awkward. But like I said, uh, some of his acting, like it's not expected that he'd give like a scene-stealing performance. But I think, you know, from what he did, I think he was a bit wooden, but he kind of had, like I mentioned before, a charm about him. And I, I really appreciate that he was like in only, not all the scenes of the show. Like I think originally he was only meant to be in like one scene. Scene, yeah, they kept, on, they kept on expanding his role uh, as they were writing the script. Mm, yeah, that's right. So I, I think I'm glad that he was kind of, he wasn't, like he was one of the main subplots or he's in one of them, but he's not like the one that ties everyone together, so Yeah, to there's still a lot of other stuff happening around him and Jerry and him and Elaine. Mm, yeah, which I do appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, less is more. Yeah, less is more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think in this episode, his uh, lack of acting ability kind of worked in his favor because everyone in Seinfeld, even though it's such a relatable show and it draws on a lot of parallels of you know of real life it's still very kind of surreal like all the characters are so wacky in their own way and so idiosyncratic 
that someone who's just sort of so laid back and normal and just kind of down to earth is actually refreshing. Yeah. So I think yeah. it works in that context. Yeah, definitely. And it was good that he played himself and he wasn't trying to be like, even though he was semi-fictional, he yeah. wasn't trying to play like an exaggerated version of himself. Yeah. 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 I would say that at first he is very kind and he's very charming and he's very affable and friendly and he seems very relaxed about his celebrity. You know, like he understands that people love him and he doesn't seem to get nervous or too arrogant about it. But I think from time to time, and I think it shows in this episode a tiny bit, almost unconsciously. I think he just kind of expects that people will do what he wants them to do because he is so highly regarded and so highly respected. You know, he's, he doesn't intentionally think, well, I can just use people. But I think because he's had it his way for so long and he's had so much praise put upon him for, for his baseball career and now even after his baseball career, he kind of just unconsciously expects people to do what he needs them to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, but he's not rude or, or arrogant about it. He just, it's almost like it's unrealized. He doesn't even realize what's happening. You know, because I think it's a bit rich if you meet someone and then a week later you're like, hey, can you help me move? I would be, if, if that was asked of me, I'd be like... I don't really know you. Yeah, like, exactly. Jerry if, would have had a good point. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but I think for Keith, because people just want to do stuff for him and with him, he kind of just expects it. So mm. it comes across as him kind of using people, but I don't think it's a conscious thing. No. And even when with Elaine, you know how there were the internal monologues between him and Elaine, even when they go in for a kiss, you mentioned before that Elaine says that thing. Who and does he, this guy think he, he is? think he is? And Keith says, I'm Keith Hernandez. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't seem to have like a sense of entitlement or arrogance about it. He just no, says, he's a bit- I'm Keith Hernandez. Yeah. I'm, one of the, I'm considered the greatest defensive player of all time. And, you know, I've got a lot of, and I've achieved so much. Yeah, he's confident, but not uh, overly cocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. I think from time to time he does use his achievements and his celebrity, you know, in really subtle ways to get what he wants, but not in like a super manipulative, gross way. Mm-hmm. Just, I just don't think he knows any different because yeah. that's that's that is his life. People do that without even him, him even asking for it or Definitely. expecting it. So he doesn't sort of see how that maybe you know him asking say Jerry to move is quite arrogant. And the fact that well, not arrogant, but is it does come across as he's kind of using Jerry a bit, a little bit, yeah. You know, I guess he just doesn't understand the dynamics of a friendship or a new friendship from like a. Uh, someone who isn't famous because you know that that wouldn't be the dynamic amongst non-famous people i guess yeah very true what about the smoking do you think keith was one of those players who smoked in the 70s and 80s you know (laughs) during now once he gets struck out or you know or whatever or it's their turn to bat he just goes for a smoke i think he grew up in a time in sports where sports wasn't so athleticized you know you think about you know it's not that he wasn't fit like you had to obviously be quite fit to play a full game of baseball and hundreds of games per year but you know it wasn't scientific there weren't you know million dollar salaries and Mm. sports coaches and nutrition coaches it was it was a bit more working class and a bit more down to earth so i think the fact that he smoked and he probably you know health wasn't priority number one all the time that to me makes sense based on you know the time in which he was a baseball player i think back to like rugby league players which is the sports here in australia Mm. in case you're from overseas and you look at footage from the 70s and 80s and they weren't unfit but they weren't like ripped lean athletic top level athletes that were sort of they were kind of just like fit middle-aged men in a way yeah because even at that time playing like rugby league or even australian rules football for you know victoria and the southern states those players would be like tradies during the week so yeah. it would actually be their part-time gig it was like semi-professional yep. i don't know when baseball became fully professional well i think baseball's always been so big in america i think at this stage in the 70s and 80s it still would have been like a high-paying job yeah yeah but yeah it wasn't so the athletic side of it wasn't so scientific mm. I, I don't think it was a bit more you know they were a bit less i don't know somewhere between just your average joe and like a top level athlete yeah but these days it's literally in the science 
Yeah. Yeah, it's nutrition, there's this powder. Well, they've got dietitians this. and yeah. yeah, they've got psychologists and and therapists, physiotherapists, like everything. The works, yeah. yeah. So they got everything which Keith wouldn't have had no at the time. I don't think so. No. Yeah, and I I think maybe I'm going to guess him smoking is maybe just like a, a social thing for him. Yeah. You know, maybe when he's just at the bar, he just has a few cigarettes because he enjoys it as a social activity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I used to smoke. Having a smoke when you have a beer is actually quite pleasurable, so I understand it. So I've heard. Yeah, I've never done that, but yeah. Yeah, I've heard that's quite pleasurable. Don't smoke. Don't smoke. Yeah. <laughs> if you smoke, not gonna not gonna uh, condescend to you, but don't smoke. Drugs are bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Anyway, do you have any other notes on Keith? No, he. Uh, I think considering his fame and his just the respect that people give him and the admiration that he gets wherever he goes, I think he's quite down to earth. I think he's quite well adjusted. I think he tries to be as down to earth as possible. It does seem like a conscious effort, but again, from time to time without him even realizing it, it can come across as him using people mm. or just expecting that people will do what he asked them to do. Yeah, but I, I really like Keith in the episode as a character. And I think, yeah, the 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 real Keith Hernandez did a pretty good job considering this is his first acting role. And he was very nervous going into it as well. He was a bit reluctant, but his agent actually talked him into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he did a pretty good job. He did. Be- better than I could do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, better so. than I can do and I've done acting. <laughs> exactly. I guess maybe the fact that, you know, he played a, a, a game. in. Fr- I think just being famous and being in the public eye would give you a certain level of confidence um, or ability to like shut off that fear that a lot of people would have of being judged or mm. being watched. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, playing a baseball game and having that pressure in front of millions of people and millions of fans that would give you a natural confidence that would work in acting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but what about you? Oh, yeah, me. I mean, with Keith, yeah, pretty down-to-earth guy. And uh, it's good that Keith, the real-life Keith, rather, he's still doing Seinfeld-related things. Like, yeah. he recently did a Seinfeld Day earlier this year or late last year where uh, I think it was the Mets played another played the Phillies, maybe, or another team. And uh, Jerry yeah, and Keith right. were, like, the spokespeople on the day and they did some stuff. So, Keith, uh, he's still involved in Seinfeld and with Jerry as well. And uh, I read that he still gets uh, money for royalties for the episode. Oh, well, there so you go. So every time the episode's played, he gets I think three thousand dollars. Oh, yeah, he gets a small, uh, a small royalty. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, and he actually, I just remembered, he did come back in the finale as well. He did. That's right. Yes, he watched Jerry and all that uh, get uh, convicted. Yeah, yeah. At the end, when uh, it showed a, like a little montage of people's reactions. Yeah, and I think he played pool with uh, Mickey Abbott and Peterman and a few other people. I think Putty maybe. Yeah, he was that's in, right. He was in the bar scene. Yeah, he was playing with them. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, that was Keith Hernandez. The next character is Mrs. Lenore Sokol. She's played by Ray Allen. She's known for Stargate and A League of Their Own. And would you believe, Stephen, I thought that she was the actress who played Livia in The Sopranos. She looks exactly like her. She does. Same hair. Same hair, but it's not her. No. I thought it was her. I always thought, I think her name's Nancy Marchand, I think her name is. Okay. She played Livia, and I was like, I always thought that it was her. I was like, oh, before The Sopranos, she was in that episode of Seinfeld. But no, totally different actress. Ray yeah, I can Allen. see the resemblance, though. Yeah, they almost look Thick alike. Thick New York accents. Mm-hmm. But ironically, she, uh, Ray, the actress, she actually was in The Sopranos. Yeah, I she was in five episodes, I think. Yeah, I think season four or five of The Sopranos. I don't know who she was. I, I heard that... I was listening to the Signcast episode on the way over here and they mentioned it. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to remember because I love The Sopranos and I was trying to remember who she played, but I couldn't. I, I probably will once I uh, once I figure it out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it didn't didn't occur to me off the top of my head. Yeah. She's just a crabby, stereotypical Karen who works for a bureaucracy. You know, you go to the DMV or you go somewhere and there's that 50-year-old, 60-year-old jaded woman who's been there for like 30 years doing the same job and probably works part-time or whatever and just, you know, she just doesn't give a shit. She's dealt with so many people. She probably... Probably has, she probably sees 
not that it's the case 99.9% of the time, but she probably sees unemployed people as like bums. Maybe she has like a kind of... A disdain for a them, disdain maybe. for them, yeah, you know, seeing well, them like that. Yeah, I mean, purely by numbers, most people in any country or any situation who need like unemployment benefits legitimately need it because they're out of work and they're mm. just trying to find another job. Especially but, in these times during COVID-19. Exactly. Yeah. But you would, purely by numbers, you would get a lot of scammers and a lot of people who are just trying to weasel their way and haven't been trying and are just bullshitting through their teeth. Like George. Like George. <laughs> yes. So I think over time, if she's been doing this job for 30, 40 years, she can see through George. She's just not taking any of his shit. Yeah. She's ignoring his like ways to try and divert the conversation like i can't remember why he says it but when he's like he makes that weird sound and Mm. she's just like the address yeah not even registering his weird i think jose feliciano i Mm. think he was doing an impression of that old singer yeah yeah. right i think it was jose feliciano i think he said okay i think that's his name right some of that i miss that yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. point being is that she's just not going along with any of his weird distractions she's just no nonsense by the book and I understand why at this point in her career, she would just have zero tolerance. Mm-hmm. If, if someone came in and was genuinely honest and said, you know, I'm trying to find work, I think she would respond positively. But I think she can smell the scammers and the bullshit artists a mile away. Yeah. And she just has that attitude from the start with George. She can see George coming. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think she'd be able to pick him out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. And she's a baseball fan as well, obviously a Mets fan. So she has Keith Hernandez's signature on the ball. And uh, George promises to get Keith to her within the hour to meet. And uh, yeah, it doesn't actually work out as we find out in the final scene. So, so what do you think happened to his unemployment benefits? Do you reckon that they got cut off? Yeah, uh, I mean, he does find a job soon. I mean, is he unemployed for the rest of season three? Ooh, I can't remember what his next job is. I don't remember. He doesn't work for the Yankees. I think he works somewhere else. Yeah. He, he tries to get a job as a brass salesman in that episode. Yeah. yeah I think for the next season something. or two, he kind of just flips. Oh, no, he tries, he tries riding the pilot with Jerry. In season four. That's, that's right. not really his job, but he's unemployed doing that. No. Yeah. He so I think f- you're right. I think he's unemployed for the rest of the season. Yeah. This is late in season three, this episode. Yeah. This season, yeah. I think, has 20 or 21 episodes, mm-hmm. and this is like the second and third last episode. 17 and 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah, I think from memory, I think for the next, at least until season four when he becomes a writer, because he gets a bit of an advance and that'll time over a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, he kind of just jumps from job to job or just remains unemployed. Mm, yeah, that's right. Because he has to move yeah. back to his parents. He does. I think, is he living back in Queens at this time? It's not mentioned because we don't see Estelle or Frank until the next season. That's true. So, yeah. Yeah. We can assume that he's probably living in his apartment, but he's struggling to pay. His yeah, rent, so. he's probably got enough just to pay his rent. Yeah, yeah. And to hang out with Jerry and have a coffee at, uh, at Monk's. <laughs> that's, and that's it. About it. That's it, yeah. Um, she really cares for her daughter. I mean, her daughter, not to talk about the, you know, facial features of the actress and stuff, obviously, mm. but, you know, she really, I think she really cares for her daughter. And I, I think she probably, she, I feel like she might have more children. But her other children are probably married with kids or they've with yep. someone. And maybe Carrie is like the outlier. You know, she's the one of the three or four kids who isn't seeing anyone. Yep. Possibly because, I don't know, Carrie, which we'll mention, we'll talk about her very shortly. But Carrie doesn't look like she puts much effort into her. You know, not that this is a, a, a terrible, you know, like a, you know what, I'm, I'm trying not to be, what's the word? Shaming her. But it doesn't seem like she puts much effort into, you know, going out for dates. And she probably. Well, she's not a very warm, friendly person. No, she no. seems quite crabby and cold. Much like her mum. I'm just trying to find the right way of saying it without shaming the well, character. You know? you're only describing as she is in the show. Yeah, that's whether, it. Yeah. Whether that's a mean portrayal or not is another conversation. So that's yeah. fine. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think she's probably, I think Carrie, uh, Mrs. Sokol's trying to do everything she can for Carrie. You know, yep. Because she mentions to George, oh, she doesn't have a boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. One other thing I wanted to say about Lenore is that she does seem, I don't want to say bribable, but she can be swayed to do certain things that ordinarily she wouldn't if it benefits her. Yeah. Um, I don't think 
think she would straight up accept a bribe of like, here's some money. Can you continue my benefit? But uh, if if uh, she's offered like a favor, uh, she is she is easily swayed. I think she's easily swayed. I think she's done it before too. Yeah. It's not her first radio. Yeah. 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 I think um, and I think given her experience, you know, she her 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 disposition comes across as just like jaded, don't care, not tolerating any bullshit, just want to you know, sign these papers and go. I think she she knows how to bend the rules within the system without getting in trouble because mm. um, she seems very comfortable from going from, you know, just a bureaucratic, no-nonsense woman to like, oh, that sounds interesting, and yeah. back again. And back again, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think she she can shift between those two uh, <laughs> those two versions of Lenore very easily because yeah. she knows she knows the system. And she, yeah, and she has the upper hand. Yeah. She can just cut benefits. Yeah. You know, so she's kind of, the, the unemployed people are kind of under her thumb. Yeah. Yeah, so she's got lots of leverage. Yeah, and it doesn't come across like she's abusing a power or she's some sort of tyrant mm. but uh if you know some people are so moralistically righteous that you know if if someone even like hints at breaking the rules they would just go no nah, can't do it not allowed whereas she you know she's at least intrigued you know by by an offering of like well i'll take your daughter out on a date yeah. or i can introduce her to keith hernandez she's yeah. like oh really really mm, yeah and george right. and george knows her uh you know sweet spots yeah and tries to manipulate him yeah, yeah. <laughs> well george you know george even though he's a weak willed person <laughs> i think that gives him the ability to sense potential other people's weaknesses as well exactly you know even if they're strong characters like lenore yeah yeah no i really like lenore she was cool yeah she was fun but let's talk about her daughter carrie she's played by carol ann Susie. she's most famous for playing the off-screen role of howard's mother debbie in the big bang theory have you seen the big bang theory you know she's... i've seen enough to know i don't like it but not uh, yeah. enough to recognize it from the show but she, she has like this really annoying voice so one of the guys howard and he's a jewish guy and he's got like this stereotypical jewish mum, kind of like uh, estelle mm-hmm. in a way and but she kind of Talks like this, Howard. What are you doing over here? But she's always like off screen, and she has like that whiny kind of voice. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So she's kind of like Estelle, but on speed. Okay, <laughs> basically. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So she was most famous for playing that role, but she never appeared on screen. Oh, and uh, she also appeared in the film Cats and Dogs, and I think it was a TV show, Sea of Love. Never sea heard of, of it. Love. Sea mm. of Love. And she passed away in 2014 in Los Angeles. She was 62. Oh, so okay. yes, there Quite you young. go. Uh, like, like we mentioned with Carrie, I think she's one of a few children of uh, Lenore's, and I think she's probably the one that doesn't get dates, and you know maybe she just doesn't make an effort to yeah. go out with people. I think maybe when Lenore mentioned George to her she probably Lenore probably had to coerce her to go out with him she probably wasn't really keen yeah yeah and even like when in the scene with George and uh, and Carrie in the car even like Carrie doesn't look interested she's like oh I haven't had a Big Mac in a long time but I she thought- doesn't seem like interested she's just kind of like yeah okay cool we went yeah out. she's just very blunt and yeah. uh emotionless yeah that's it yeah. at first I thought she was being sarcastic when she's like geez thanks George you know I haven't had a Big Mac in a long time and yeah. then she continues and you realize oh no she that's a genuine that's compliment. a genuine compliment she doesn't go out and, and probably she thought that because George is a you know tight ass because he's unemployed they yeah. can only afford Maccas or McDonald's but I think because she doesn't go on many dates her expectations are quite low so even uh, you know even being taken on a date purely to manipulate the system into getting unemployment benefits just to be used mm. even that is enough for her to be like I'm happy to go on a second date with you yeah 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 but then I think she realises you know m- maybe once she asks some more questions about George uh, you know to her mum and she gets a bit more information about him and thinks about it a bit more she's like hang on a minute like you're a loser why am i going to go out with <laughs> yeah, you i'm going to go with you because george lies saying that he's got an interview with a hardware store and even yeah. she's like i don't want to be with a guy who can get a discount on a box of nails yeah you know i want someone you know a bit better yeah bit what, her parting line is something like you know when i need a new drill i'll call you a drill bit i'll give you a call yeah yeah that's it um so she kind of wants someone with a bit more stature
stature. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think, I guess Status. if she's not, you know, I don't know what she does for a living or anything about her personal life, but I guess if she's not willing to put in the, the work as well, maybe she shouldn't be so demanding. I don't know. Like George kind of makes a point of, you know, your daughter's very demanding and very particular. And he's kind of implying like that she doesn't really, she's not really in a position to be, no. um, you know. I think she lives with Lenore. Yeah. Probably still lives at home. I think Lenore is keen to set her up on anyone who might show interest just to get her out of the house. Yeah. Not, yeah, not just for her so. daughter's sake, yeah. but just so she gets a break. Yeah. Because I think Carrie's a real homebody. Yeah. And I think Lenore really wants her to go out. And they probably just get sick of each other's company. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's probably them. It's like I said, I think Carrie's probably one of a few siblings and they've gone on to, you know, move out, marry, have kids, whatever. And she's the, the last one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's it's grating on uh, Lenore's nerves. Yeah. But I like the fact that she, you know, it, I can relate to uh, the situation of like when you've been dateless for a little while or things maybe aren't, you know, you're not, you haven't had a good run of like romantic luck or anything. Yeah. And you go on a date with someone and you're like, I'm just appreciating the fact that I'm with someone for a couple of hours who can stand my presence. I know the feeling too. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, you know, because she demands George, she's like, I want you to call me as soon as you get home. Yeah, that's right. You know, and George seemingly complies. You don't know if it happens or not. I'm sure he does because she goes on a second date with him. But, you know, just say there's three or four days between their first and second date. She gets over that initial feeling of like, oh, wow, someone just wanted to spend time with me. And she kind of calms down and thinks about it. And she's like, hang on, like, I'd rather be dateless than date losers like yeah, George. So like George exactly. I like I like that sort of uh, that slight evolution of a character. She does yeah. have standards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see because I I've been in that situation where I've looked back on a date and I've been like, oh that was great. I actually just did something with someone. Yeah. And then I'm like, hang on, like I'd rather I'd rather go on no dates. I'd rather stay home. Then then <laughs> then see this person a second time because yeah. Yeah, I'm too good for that. And a fun fact about Carrie, the sweater that she's wearing after the second date, it's the same one that Kramer wears in The Sniffing Accountant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. True. The same one. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Was that an episode trivia? Oh, no, it wasn't. But it was uh, something that I read, I think, on Seinfeldisms. I think a while ago, I think someone put up a picture of Carrie and Kramer, and they said it's the same sweater. Oh, right. Yeah, it just just came to memory. Must have been a prop that was reused or something. Yeah, reused. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. So, anyway, nice little fun fact that I got from your Facebook group. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Our Facebook. A Facebook group, yes. Anyway, our final secondary character for today, the cab driver, or the cabbie he's credited as. He's played by Richard Assad. He's known for the film Mars Attacks and Robin Hood Men in Tights. And uh, he's appeared in the TV show Jag. Now, we find out like George is telling the cabbie to go here, go there. I think George has done this the entire trip. I Mm. think it's not something which I don't think if George said it the first time, I mean, I don't think the cabbie, like the cabbie deals with lots of shitty people, but I don't think he's that pent up where George has asked for one request and then another. He just blows up. Yeah, I think George... Literally jumped in the car and said, go here. All right, now go in this lane. Go in this lane trying to get to Jerry's house. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And the cabbie's just like, you've done this to me for like freaking 20 minutes. Yeah, well, when it cuts I'm to done. the scene, you see that he's already on edge. Yeah, he's yeah, already yeah. pissed off. He's yeah, not. Right. He doesn't go from zero to 100 in three requests. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, he's been doing And they've been stuck in traffic. And George is trying everything he can to get to Jerry's. And yeah. the cabbie's like, that's it. And that's he just it. He pulls him out of the cab. Yeah. They would have come to blows, I reckon. Uh, Probably, yeah. Actually, no, I think George just would have run away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, the cabbie had him pinned on the back seat, attacking him. And George is trying to fight off the cabbie. Yeah, but I think it was like trying to grab him to reef him out, just kick him out. And George is keeping him like, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's probably like several k's away from Jerry's. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird how like, I guess in the moment, just out of fear, you would sort of say, no, no, I'm not going to get out of the cab. But like logically, like, well, what's the point of staying in the cab? This guy's not going to drive me. Even if if he doesn't try and pull me out, he's just going to pull the car over. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get out anyway. It's a a weird thing to react of like, I'm going to try and stay in the cab. 
It was desperation no. from George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think it was just like a fear reaction of like, I need to stay in here because it's safe. And I love when George in, in the later scene, he jumps in the cab and it's the same cabbie. And yeah, he yeah, realizes yeah. and he's, he's like, like, yeah, maybe yeah, not. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. And he does that to people in the telephone booth. He pulls that little boy out of yeah. the phone booth and calls. And then he, the, the boy calls the cop. And then he goes to the phone later on. And it's like this big tradie, like this big construction worker. And he's like, oh, pats him on the back. And yeah. And, off. and then the kid comes back with a cop too. Yeah, that's right. Tells him to, uh, to oh, he apologizes. To get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He apologized, but I mean the second guy, the big guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he tries it, and he's like, "Oh no, you can have the phone. yeah, it's all good, it's all good, man." Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the cabbie. Yeah, I, I think he's one of those stereotypical, you know, angry, you know, jaded cabbies. But I, I think he, for George, he would have been pushed. Yeah. He would have been pushed for like 20, 30 minutes. You know, George keeps saying, "Do this, do this, do this," and he's like, "That's it, I'm done." Yeah. Nobody. I mean, yeah. you know, being a cab driver is a service job, so you have to go above and beyond, I guess, to meet people's requirements or requests, yeah. even if it's uh, a bit unreasonable or even if they're rude. I think to keep a job like that you kind of have to grit your teeth and put up with it which is unfortunate but uh, yeah George was his was his limit his limit yeah oh yeah. he could have had like a bad day and yeah, then, yeah or true. a shitty customer beforehand then George was like the last straw yeah the maybe. final straw yeah, yeah, it could have been but that. yeah he was yeah. definitely asking him to change lanes before it cut to the scene exactly and it didn't go from zero to a hundred no. straight away no. no it was a slow build up indeed anyway yes so they are all the secondary characters for the boyfriend our 150th episode when we come back we are going to find out where the episode sits in our Seinfeld episodes we have done so far and if any of today secondary characters make our top 20. According to your story, Hernandez passes you and starts walking up the ramp. Mm -hmm. Then you say you were struck on the right temple. The spit then proceeds to ricochet off the temple, striking Newman between the third and the fourth rib. The spit then came off the rib, made a right turn, hitting Newman in the right wrist causing him to drop his baseball cap. The spit then splashed off the wrist, pauses in midair, mind you, makes a left turn and lands on Newman's left thigh. That is one magic loogie. So made out of 130 episodes, where does the boyfriend sit for you? This sits at number four. Four. I love this episode. All right. I absolutely love it. It's a classic. Yeah, it is. There's a reason that we picked it for our 150th episode. No, I think it's fantastic. Not a weak moment throughout the whole episode, which is a achievement considering it's a double episode. Mm. And it's not a double episode that has a huge complicated storyline. Like, it's pretty simple. Yeah. So, the fact that they were able to get 45-ish minutes of amazing comedy out of what is not a long convoluted storyline. I think of, say, The Trip. So much happens in that and it covers so many days and so many events. So, it's easy to get 45 minutes out of that whereas this is just like they meet one baseball player George is unemployed you know it only covers like say a week and there aren't any huge momentous things that happen along the way mm. but they just got so much good out of it and I just think it's hilarious so much classic Seinfeld in it just I can't if we were to rank this episode out of 10, I would give it a 10. A 10, Easily. Yeah. Easy. Great. What about you? Well, for me, very enjoyable episode, number 30. Okay. Uh, so, still excellent. 30 out of 130 is still uh, you know, a terrific yeah. ep. I felt like because there were no arcs really in Seinfeld, I think because it was season three, I felt like kind of like it was very enjoyable. The humor was great. Keith was great. You know, everyone was great. I just felt like it did drag a bit. Okay. Like, I feel like they probably could have condensed the Keith and Andes subplot into one episode, but I think they were experimenting with different things and 
uh, there was something to I read something to do with the script where the script went over time and then they got NBC's approval to do an hour long episode. There was I think like it was ratings kind of, week that week. Yeah, that's and it. Then that's someone it. pitched the idea of how about we turn this into a double episode yeah, yeah, yeah. where you flesh out Keith Hernandez and they thought it was great. Yeah. So for me, like I did feel like it did drag a bit at the end, but the jokes did hit and yeah, it was still a great episode for me, number thirty. Okay. So yeah. Nice. Mm. Any of the secondaries appear in your top twenty? No, how about you? No, but honorable mention to Lenore Sokol. Yeah. She's uh she's awesome. And Keith Hernandez. Yeah, like, yeah. Not for the a non actor actor. Really yeah, good. Very charming. He's yeah. very charming in the yeah. role. I reckon he'd be a cool dude to hang out with. Yeah, he would be, yes. Yeah. So and Keith, uh, if you're listening, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. But yes, anyway, that was the boyfriend and our one hundred and fiftieth episode of Binwa Bars. Thank you so much for listening. And no matter where you've come during the whole spectrum of the podcast from episode one or one fifty today, thank you, you know, for listening and supporting us and we do appreciate your feedback and getting emails and tweets and everything from you. Yeah, no. Uh, anyone who's joined us along the way, anyone who's gotten in touch with us in any way is uh, appreciated. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully catch you all for the next, what, 40-odd episodes we've got I, about I left? I think 30-odd, yeah. 30, 40? 30, 40, yeah. Yeah, we're sort of uh, getting towards the tail end. Speaking mm. of, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are doing The Visa from Season 4. So, nice. Babu's second episode. Yeah. Yes. Well, the Undoing of Babu. The Undoing of Babu when he gets deported well, the, to the mail. The second Undoing of Babu, let's second, be honest. Yeah. But this is the more severe. Undoing. Yeah. He, this, goes, he literally this, gets deported to Pakistan. <laughs> So, pretty Jesus. bad yeah. because of a male mishap. <laughs> yeah, but he bides his time and gets his revenge in the finale. He does, and he loves it. So, yes, we will talk about that. And, uh, yeah, so my name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And we'll catch you then. Bye.